And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gibbs Hello and welcome to Pod 7 of Series 2 of Red Side with Trent. I'm your host, Christian Brown. As always, I'm joined by Adam Wicklow, Reese Lane and Lee Clark. It has been nothing short of a disastrous week for Nightmare Forest on the pitch. Uh, yesterday, Forest threw away a two-goal lead at home to AFC Bournemouth to lose 3-2. And a few days before that, they lost 6-0 away at Manchester City, which was very much a welcome to the elite again. And so, yeah, the results leave Forest 19th for the table, still just that one win from six games and four points on the boards. And yeah, yeah, it's been um, also been a memorable week in other ways. Obviously, deadline day closed and Forest finished a window of 21 new signings, soon to be 22, if Serge Oreo signs as expected. And we'll be covering all of that and looking forward to the future too. So we'll start with the, um, we'll, get, we'll get it out of the way now. Um, we'll look at the Bournemouth game. So, uh, Adam, it looked like that, from what I could gather, obviously from what I could listen to, that Forrest was like, you know, generally in control of the game, but without really doing a lot to threaten the Bournemouth goal early doors. And then, you know, there's a few little glimpses here and there, but nothing, like a lot of possession, but not a lot of end product, basically. And then um, Gibbs White you know, puts in a peach of a ball. Uh, Lottie gets a corner and then Gibbs White puts in another peach of a ball. And then... Um, no, Kuyate buries in a bullet header. Uh, what did you? How did you find the um, opening exchanges at the City Ground yesterday? I thought the the team selection first of all was a bit peculiar. I thought Kiate was one of our weaker players on Wednesday, but then was that one of our better players yesterday? Uh, Lewis O'Brien being absent was was massive, but the opening exchanges were that of a Championship game. I would say it was very cagey. I thought the fans weren't up for it and that kind of replicated onto the pitch, if I'm, more, if I'm honest. It was slow. It was turgid. The atmosphere was was non-existent, in my opinion. I thought it was really flat for, from, from everyone. And I just thought we didn't... We, we Bournemouth were a better side, I thought, than us in the first half without doing a lot either. They moved the ball a lot better than we did. We just happened to score two goals from 
from a set piece and a penalty. We did not threaten Neto's goal. I don't remember him making a save throughout the first 45 minutes, if I'm honest. And I just thought, we we... We we let the game pass us by, if I'm honest. I know I know we were two 0 up, but I just didn't think we we were we flattered flattered us a lot, and it was non it was nothing compared to West Ham and Spurs at home, where it was frantic and it was pacey, and you you saw the pace of the Premier League. That 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 wasn't there yesterday, and that completely destroyed us. In it, if I'm honest, I just didn't think it suited us at all. But I was. I'm I'm still fuming, Christian. <laughs> I'm no, still I mean, fuming. Yeah, you're not alone in that. Obviously, uh, obviously as Adam touched upon me, there was a big penalty call. Um, to make for Forest tunnel up again. Um, it was Lolly with a cross. It came to Neko Williams. He got a shot. I mean, it looked pretty conclusive from the first time. To be honest, I don't really know why it got referred to, but lo and behold, it did get referred to. And after five minutes of deliberating, and looking, being told to send it to his monitor, Michael Oliver then stuck with his on for decision, which is. Something of a massive rarity. We've all seen this top before. Generally speaking, the referee goes over to the monitor. You know, it's generally nine times out of ten getting overturned. Uh, what was your take on the incident? I mean, it, it, do you think it was harsh on Kelly? Because I guess the argument was it was quite close to him, I suppose. But then he has sort of gone out diving like that. So, yeah, I think the key for me is that um, in doing what he does, he makes himself bigger. Um, you know, if, if you're making yourself bigger, you you, you know you you've got you've only got one thing in your mind. You want to stop the ball by any means of doing it. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely a penalty. Uh, but I can, on the flip side, see why he was sent to the screen. Um, like we've seen this afternoon in the Arsenal-Man United game, as soon as that screen comes up, the crowd knows typically knows what's going to happen, that the, the decision's going to get reversed. But I think Michael Oliver proved to me yesterday, I mean, when the fixture came through for Michael Oliver to referee not Forrest against Bournemouth when he's refereeing the Champions League, and he must be wondering if he's upset at the FA to get that fixture. But... Um, yeah, he proved why he's the best in the world, I thought. Um, he had no qualms about saying to Graham Scott, you know what, I think you're wrong and I'm going to stick with my decision. Um, and, and let's hope that others follow suit with that now because I think VAR, is, I've said it for a long time, I think VAR is making some pretty good referees look absolutely abysmal. Um, they just, they're just too afraid to kind of overrule their mate who's telling them that they've looked at it on a screen and they think, well, they, they're telling them they're wrong. So... Yeah, I think um, thankfully we had Michael Oliver, and, and like I say, that's why he's uh, the best in the business. Yeah, definitely. And of course, and Johnson confidently put it away to put us turn up at half time. Everything was good, everything was nice. And then Reese um, just didn't start for the second half at all. It just seemed an absolute, you know, it looked like it was an inevitability waiting to happen. And what annoys me about the goal. I mean, you can't take anything away from a strike. It's a hell of a goal from um, Philip Billings. an absolute pole driver. Annoyingly, we've been on the receiving end of a few of those this season. But um, it was a hell of a hit. But what annoys me was why has he got the absolute freedom of Nottingham to take a touch, look up, pick his spot and then fire off a rifle? Why? Where's the midfield cover? And why? where's the pressure? Why is he... I, it's all when a good like slamming Lingard and saying, oh yeah, Lingard's pass gave the ball away, rah, rah, rah. But where's the desire to win it back and close him down? I just don't understand how that's allowed to happen. I literally just watched the highlights. I have to calm down just before we record this. So um, just to recap my memory, because obviously, you know, in the heat of the game, it is hard to remember things, isn't it? But, you know, half time, you think, I literally thought to myself, if we can get the third goalie, I can see he's put in probably five past these. You know, and it because that and but and for them to for us then to concede so early in the second half and give them 
something to grasp on, which they did, was just, it was just a disaster. Um, yeah, I said to you guys in the chat, I made some notes for the very first time <laughs> um, this on for this pod. Lingard's got to do better, first of all. It's, mm. it's too weak. You've got to show more desire. And then, you know, Yates and Worrell do not close Billing down. He's a, I, think, I think there's a pass, actually, from, I think it's Cook, where Yates has got to close him down. He passes it to Billing, and then Worrell stands off in. And as we see, we've seen this midweek with Cancelo's, we'll come on to later, you can't stand off players in this league because they will fire it. They will fire it on target from 25 yards at this level. And then after that, that gave him something to grasp onto. We went into a shell, as we did, like I mentioned, I thought to Everton when we went one and up, although it was a lot better that day. And then the second goal, the balls come in, Steve Cook's lost his man. Lloyd Kelly, I think it was Lloyd Kelly, peels off him, heads it back across. And then there's a couple, I think it was Lottie and Worrell, slow to react and Slanky's got in front of him. And I think it's took a bit of a nick and it and it's gone in. And then at 2-2, two, two, I just thought there's only one winner here. And to be fair, I, I did think then Bournemouth went a little bit back into their shell a little bit that they thought, wow, we've actually come from 2-0 down here to 2-2. If we get a draw here, this is a cracking result. And it was a bit cagey then, I thought, as you know, the sub proved from Steve Cooper bringing Jack Colbert on. That has never, ever been a Steve Cooper sub. He has always gone for it last season. That, to me, was a, a manager... I don't like Slayton Cooper at all, but that to me is a manager who was just hoping we'd hold on for a draw by bringing that bit of solidity on. And then and then literally, it was always going to be some kind of mistake which was going to win the game for either team. You know, I don't know why McKenna's not just rose out of that. He's just tried to be too clever there. There's, there's no pace on the ball. Slanky's nipped in. And literally when he swept it across, there was no that in my mind it was gonna it was gonna score you know at championship level that might get swept across and someone might spoon it over not Premier League level but it was it was two championship teams for me yesterday against one another the pace of the game you could just tell the difference in the pace of the game from the West Ham and the and the Tottenham games and that's what Adam touched upon about the atmosphere the tone of the game sets the atmosphere if Forest are full fly everyone gets behind them it was it was back to being a championship game yesterday, and that's probably why you struggled for people to get up to it. And in the end, it ended up being a disaster. And like I put on my personal Twitter, I've generally not felt that bad about a result since that Stoke loss during COVID. I literally felt pretty much numb at the end of the game because I just couldn't believe how we chucked it away. No, I was the same. I, I, I told you guys exactly. So I've, I haven't been that pissed off about Forest results since we lost that game at the because that was just beyond comprehension how bad it was yesterday. Um, Adam, again, as Reese was touched upon there, uh, the second goal, the defending, it's a routine fucking corner. It's horrific, horrific defending. And I just don't, again, it's like, what, what have they been fucking doing in training? Like we got, we got, we're back, going back to asking these questions again. It's a simple set piece. No one tracks their man. Like, like as Reese said, Cook is done so easily. It's just like, what is going on? Like all the things that were making us solid last season suddenly just gone. And that's not to do with the new signings. It's the same people who got us there that are making the mistakes. Yeah, Cooper said in his post-match that Yates was off the field for, for the corner and and normally he's the one that kind of is in that sort of vicinity. But even as Marcus Tavernier runs up to the ball, I saw Lloyd Kelly peel off Steve Cook like it was no tomorrow. And I was like, well, that's going to Lloyd Kelly. 
he's just going to edit back in and then lo and behold, Solanke gets... I mean, to get an overhead kick within the, the more or less the, on the six-yard box is fucking disgraceful, if I'm honest. Like, someone just... I don't know. I mean, not saying to, like, take a kick in the face sort of thing, but if you just get in the way, like... Two players don't even track Solanke and it, it's, it's shocking, really. I mean... I don't want to criticise Steve Cooper and we haven't done because he's an absolute hero, really, because he's took a club that was in in like the wildness of, of championship and League One football for 23 years. But he got it horribly wrong this week. Never mind yesterday. Wednesday was was horribly wrong as well because of how naive we were. And we'll get onto that. But yesterday's team choice, I thought, was poor because against Spurs we didn't open we didn't really carve any opportunities up with no number nine I just thought why have we not like I'm going to slag Brandon Johnson off massively because the first six games of this season he's been non-existent he scored two goals fair enough but he has done nothing overall as a player everyone knows in the Premier League and the Championship put one tackle in on him and he will not be within the game at all because he's an absolute Pussy. Like, I thought it was good against Spurs, to be fair. That's a little bit harsh. But, but okay, one game in six. He's not, it just, he just needs to toughen up a little bit, take a hit, get us up the pitch, relieve some pressure, and that is all. But I think as a number nine, he's not good enough at, at that role as holding it up like Keenan Davis or Tyro one day or even Emmanuel Dennis. He's a wide player, get him the ball, get him down the wing, get across in, and that's Brennan Johnson to a T. I just think. He's been poor, along with a lot of the lads who have come up with us last season. I just feel like they've not stepped up to the plate. And like yesterday, they were probably all of our worst players. No, it is something we'll come on to in due course, but it is interesting that um, I raised this point earlier, actually, someone spread to her, like, you know, out of all the 21 signings we've made, everyone's sort of saying, oh, how are they going to get all these players to gel or anything like that? They aren't the issue. They've all actually been good. Like, if you look at it, like, you know, Henderson's been an improvement on... Sam Burns was a set a very high bar. You know, fair enough. Williams and Spence different profiles of player, but Williams has been very good. You know, Lodi and um, what's it Toffolo, both of them seem to have replaced you know, Lowe's and Colbert's contributions pretty effectively very quickly again. You know, you move through the whole field and like player for player, the new ones that have come in have been very good and very well conditioned to the team. The issue has been the ones who are there to begin with. And I get, you know, it, you get, you're gonna get inconsistency with um, moving up division. Especially with Johnson because of his age. Like, you know, we saw it against West Ham. He was very naive going up against um, a very quick uh, was it Ben Johnson, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah, Ben Johnson. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't get, couldn't get anything out of him at all the whole game, but it was just, you know, doing the same things. And like, when rather than trying something different, it's like, I get there's going to be inconsistency, but when it's costing us points, then something needs to be done. And that's the problem. And I, yeah, like, it was just absolutely fucking shit. I, I, I think with the back three, that none of them are confident enough to pierce that ball through the midfield and into to Gibbs White. Gibbs White was literally shuttle running in the number 10 position yesterday mm. and asking for the ball. And it weren't coming, it was just going side to side and then it would get to Warrell, it'd be a long ball down the wing and they'd just win it back. And mm. and that's not good enough. I mean, like Reese said, you're bringing on Jack Cole back because you're trying to shore things up. You've got Remo Froilo on there, he's a Champions League player, captain at Atalanta, played for Switzerland, bring the lad on, get him to change the game. Although he was bad at Man City, I'm sure he wouldn't have been as, as bad as Yates was yesterday as well. Uh, um, and K.I. did the job of two players yesterday, in my opinion. I thought Yates was... It wasn't like him, in, in my honest opinion. I thought he was. He had a poor game. 
he, he does run a lot and everything, but he just looked fucked after 55 minutes. He should have come off. Um, Lewis, Lewis O'Brien and, and Oro Mangala are our best at mid pairing, as far as I'm concerned. So, from what we've seen so far, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that because, again, until Freud gets on the pitch and we can actually see him properly, then well. Um, but anyway, Lee, uh, moving on again, you know, we're both we're, all of us on this pod really big you know, McKenna advocates. We all know how good he can be, but like Reese said, but why hasn't he just punted that straight into a block? I don't, I don't that, that's just not again, like you expect better from McKenna. I think that's the thing, like we've said last year, that you could count mistakes he made in the game in one hand and when he does make a mistake it's like oh my god McKenna's like done something wrong but that was atrocious absolutely atrocious yeah I mean I think the thing that I think with McKenna is that he's typically very consistent and for some reason since we got promoted he just seems to be struggling with confidence it's like he's not got the belief in his own ability to make the jump up yet I don't think um, which seems strange for a player who is essentially the player of the year and got man of the match in the championship playoff final so it is bizarre um but what I would say I think McKenna is the one that I'm going to stick with for a little bit because essentially he's left footed now the fact he's left footed is obviously isn't going to keep him a place in the team if he keeps doing what he did yesterday but I think I think McKenna made a mistake at Cardiff away last year that cost us a goal um I think it was a bad pass and they ran through and, and scored after that he was absolutely flawless he was he was fantastic um eventually leading to the player of the year so I think for now I think Cooper said on the radio afterwards that he's been integral for the club and he's going to remain that way and I, I do tend to agree with that because he's at a pretty decent age and I think he's got if he shows a bit more belief in himself to play at this level um I think he will be okay and I think the fact that he is left footed with Nia Kate injured um it just brings so much, I've said it on this podcast before, it just brings so much more balance to a defensive unit when you've got a left footer played in the middle. Um, so for now, I would, for me, it's a rarity, um, you know, but if Scott McKenna listens, just believe in your ability a bit more. <laughs> sure, we're playing it around the uh, dressing room as we speak. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Reese, I guess although despite going three two down, all was not actually lost, and Forrest did manage to muster up one more opportunity, which fell to a one who came on as a sub. Um, took the ball was back to goal and sort of tried to get one on the turn, which is high unlikely. It's a, it's a difficult chance to take, really. Um, did you think he should have maybe laid it off to Dennis, who was behind, who was in a much better position than going alone? Yeah, in hindsight, it probably should have done. Um, I think when you're one is kind of guy where you've, you want to be the hero, don't you, as a striker? I think he's probably, you know, probably backed himself to turn out in the top corner, but it would have been an easier chance for Dennis. To be fair, Dennis, I think a few moments before that, hit one towards the bottom corner, which would have gone in. It got blocked. Um, it was right in the bottom corner, I think, from about 12 yards out. And their player just come across and I think blocked it at the last minute and the keeper would have got nowhere near that. But, you know, I, w- I would like to see them two get a chance together to be honest mm. um, we've got to start playing with a striker you know I, this is what I mean from the first half Cooper said we, he thought we played well first half I didn't agree with that personally um, and that I very very it's not very often I don't agree with with Steve I just I didn't think we was that good first half personally I thought <clears throat> we crossed it in the air too many times into the box when you've got Johnson, Gibbs White and Lingard who are not going to win a header against the likes of Lloyd Kelly. They will not win headers against any centre-back in this league unless it's Martinez at Man U. That's probably the only one. 
So I don't know why we kept doing that. And you know, this is something Adam said last season. We we drilled a lot of balls into the box last season. That seems to have stopped now. And we, we're looping crosses in. And I don't understand that personally. Um, but, you know, it, it's people are saying like on social media and that, oh, you've got to give players time to gel. We, ain't got, we haven't got time. We have not got time. The club hasn't got time. The manager hasn't got time. Otherwise... You know, if we if Forest carry on losing, this is ridiculous, really. If you go to the manager, will be under pressure. That's not from the fans. At ninety nine percent of fans would probably say, "Look, if Steve Cooper relegated us this season, we'd stick by him." But the board, with the money they invested, are not going to accept Forest results like yesterday. Maranakis was not even happy after that one one at Everton. So, what do you think his thoughts would have been after yesterday? He would have been livid as. That, and that is why I put on my Twitter before the game that it was a must win. And, you know, I got a bit of stick for that because I knew if we didn't win the game, this would be the reaction because that is a game when you've got to be winning at home. And I guarantee, I'm pretty confident, Bournemouth will not pick many points up away this season. They will go down and we've basically shat, shat it to them at 2 nil up at home. And I just, I still can't, I still generally can't believe it. It was just... It was just like going back to pre-Cooper Forest and all the crap we've had of results where you've literally snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. That's how it felt yesterday. So, you know, I just like I looked at the team as well. There was arguing second half amongst themselves, shouting to one another, the gaps between the defence and the midfield, the midfield and the attacking line. It was like Chris Hutton was on the touchline again. And then I like looked at you know Joe Warrell's a captain. He, he was not even saying a word. You know I'm like you know I thought we've got to come on lads. We've got to get together for here, and, that, and that's why we got beaten then because Bournemouth showed some guts, and you, that's what you get. You know they got a result out of. <laughs> I mean, wonder what odds they would have been at half time Bournemouth win that game. And to be fair, fair play to them, they deserved it in the end. Got no qualms towards them. They, they deserved it because they, they showed some bottle second half and that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to now go to Leeds. It's a shame it's a nine-day turnaround and show some bottle and go and get a result. That, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, this is one of the other reasons why it's so annoying because obviously when we had three games in six days, it was sort of like, okay, you know, football always gives you a second chance very quickly. To have to wait to stew on this for nine days is just fucking yeah. horrible. But it, it, it's like someone said as well on Twitter, another brilliant point. There has been some bad points as well, but we've signed 21 players and you're still ending the game with the same back three and same two centre-mids from the championship. You know, that, I just find that ridiculous, personally. Yeah, and, and, is a fair point. And, and, and just how much we're missing the Akarte at the back as well, the pace, the fact... I know we've not really been done for pace, but just the movement of, you know, the back three, it's just too slow at the minute. And they've, they've got to step it up a gear. And so have other players as well. And that, that's why I think Yates and Kiate struggled yesterday because none of them are really pacey, are they get, get around the pitch that much. They're both similar type of players with a bit of a destroyer kind of player. And it was just, you know, an absolute disaster in the end yesterday. And I just... Pray we can go to Leeds and turn it around. I really can because it's you know the, the fan base is going to be on the down now for a week and a little bit. I mean, like you know, like the Everton fan that we had in the pod said, you know, you're only three games away from a crisis in the Prem, and this is yeah, we are now. Yeah. And like you said to me, like at any point, 
in the summer, oh, Forrest will be tuning up against Bournemouth and lose. I just laughed at you because I wouldn't have thought it was possible. But the thing is, as well, the scrutiny, what it's going to be on Forrest is just gone up so many notches because of the money we've spent. The players we've brought in and the money we've spent. And obviously, you know, all with the clamour of Nottingham Forest being back in the Prem after 23 years, you know, the critics will will love seeing Forest get beat on Saturday because it's what they said. And to be honest, they were right Saturday. It looked like a team that was struggling to gel. It was just complete polar opposite of the Tottenham game. It was, it was just strange, that second half, as it really was. Very bizarre. Um, I guess, what I as you touched upon, one of the few um, positives was Kuyate, who you said you know, was doing a job of two players in midfield, essentially, so he got knackered and had to come off. But um, again, how did you see his performance in midfield, generally speaking? Um, it did sound like, you know, he was a part, obviously scored a goal, you know, looked a fairly solid defensive threat. General, yeah, were you were you quite infused by what you got from Kuyate's display yesterday? Was that directed at me? <laughs> Or it was to Lee. Um, no, I thought Koyate was good. He, I mean, he was shambolic against Man City at centre half, but centre midfield, he he turned it around a bit. I thought he was quite good, but we missed Lewis O'Brien in there doing the running, but he did the running of three players in centre mid on on Wednesday night. So that's probably why he didn't get on the pitch. To be honest, I think he he, he brings quite a lot of fluidity to our our forward thinking. Lewis O'Brien because he can drive from midfield and he can beat a man and and he and he covers the ground so well to get a lot of interceptions and get us going the opposite direction so quickly. So I I don't want to be one of these people that wants to get rid of the manager so soon. But as Reese says, it's a re- results driven game, isn't it? So and 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 everyone, I think the the worry of that is is Maranakis's reputation of getting rid of managers so quickly at Olympiacos. But I just don't want to be like a Watford where. It goes well for for a few games. As soon as we lose three games, we get a new manager, and we try and repeat the process of the new manager bounce to just try and stay in the division. It's just not. It's unhealthy. Um, I believe in Cooper to turn it around. I think he's a, an intelligent and humble sort of honest guy, and he definitely can do it. But the sentiment needs to go out the window now. He has to pick his best players for every game. I mean, you look how how quickly he dropped Toffolo, and I thought Toffolo has been good all season for Lodi. Um, it's an interesting one but we'll see what, what Lee has to add yeah definitely my next point to you was going to be about the um, uh, well it's the old guard I mean like we said earlier why why Jack Colback is coming on when Forrest are two or what home to the worst team in the league is absolutely baffling I mean that in itself if you take away all sentiment that's a sackable offence like it really is like I'm not even joking it is you're 2-0 you're down so you've gone two 0 up against the worst team in the league. You've gone to two all, and you bring on the defensive midfielder. Like if, that, if that was Hutton, if that was you know, if that was Karanka, if that was Warburton, if that was anyone else who hadn't had that promotion to their name, you know, fair enough. We'd be hammering them right now. We'd be absolutely slating him. And you know, he does have that credit in the bank. I think what will work in um, Cooper's favour is that, to be fair, if we gave Hutton patience, you know, we we should have sacked him way before we did in hindsight. But Murphy and, you know, Randall, etc. they kept on close. So I do think Cooper will be affording a bit of leeway, especially after last season. But it, as we touched upon, the, it's the old guard that are the issue. It is that back three that isn't quick enough to deal with reacts quick enough. It is Yates being poor in midfield. It is Johnson being inconsistent. These aren't players we've signed. These are players that are already there. It's Jack Colback coming on with 20 minutes to go to try and rescue a, a, a win that we've somehow thrown away. 
I, this isn't a slight on Colback because we all like him as a good player. But again, if that's what we're resorting to, then something's gone badly, badly wrong somewhere. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. First things first, it's no slight whatsoever on Jack Colback. He was, I think, I wouldn't know without listening, listening to the pod again, but I think I put him in my top five for player of the year when we did it. Um, he was that good last season. But ultimately, you've got to look at it. We've got £18.5 million worth of midfielders on the bench and we've put Jack Cole back on. Now, can you imagine being Remo Freuler? He's come from Atalanta, being sold a Premier League dream, and he's watching a 31, 32-year-old Jack Colback come on at 2-2 against one of the worst sides in the league on your home pitch. It's just absolutely... I just don't get it. Um, and, I mean, as for the old guard, I mean, I get a lot of stick, as you know, all the time because it doesn't seem like I give any time whatsoever to the academy players and this, that and the other. It's simply not the case. It's just that it, our academy is fantastic. It's the heartbeat of the football club and the work that Guy Brazil and everyone has done to earn us millions and millions in revenue from player sales is magnificent. So nothing wrong with that at all. But ultimately, when you make the jump up, you've got to be able to play football. You've got to have the ability for me, I'm sick and tired of hearing this bollocks now about he tries hard, he wears the badge on his chest and he loves the club. Splitting open, he bleeds red and white. It's, it's literally not enough. This is a, if we want to stay a Premier League football club, the sentiment has to stop. It's not me saying that just drop all the old guard. It's me saying that the old guard either has to step up or be dropped. It's that simple. And I have to say, I think Joe Warrell was everyone's choice for captain. Since he's had that armband on a permanent basis, his body language has been absolutely shocking. His body language is awful. He only seems to open his mouth when it comes to having a moan or trying to lay some blame somewhere else. There's no... You look at Steve Cook yesterday, there was one instant yesterday where Cook had an easy pass to Warrell on. And Cook thought, do you know what? I'm not going to pass it to you. I'm just going to try and whip it out to, to Williams on the right. And he did. It was a great ball. And I mean, again, like I said about Kenner, maybe Worrell just doesn't believe in his ability to play at this level. But this is a player that's been touted with a move to a Premier League club for the last five or six years. He, he's, want, he's, pushed for a, he's not pushed for a move actively, obviously. But I think if we'd not gone up, he would be a Premier League player now. Are you telling me his body language would be that poor if he was playing for, say, Crystal Palace or West Ham? And we were still in the championship. I just don't think it would be. Um, again, maybe it's because he's from Nottingham. Does it hurt him too much? Is it just a, you know, in other sports, we've, we've seen Joe Root suffer when he's had the captaincy to bat sometimes in certain countries, that sort of stuff. I, I don't know what it is, but I just think his body language has been awful. And I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that. Um, but for me, Yates playing 90 minutes yesterday was just an absolute disgrace. I just don't get it. I get that Kriate was injured, but why not? I think one of my mates said at the time, why not just whip them both off? Change the midfield completely. We might have still lost, but then you've got O'Brien and Froiler's legs in there and you're giving two more new players a chance to blend into the team. Instead, we've put Jack, Jack Cole back on it too. It, it, it's pissing me off to just keep talking about it. I just don't get it. It's, it's the first time under Steve Cooper I've ever looked at a substitute board and gone, what the fuck? Because mm. it was just absolutely baffling. And I don't know what it is. I, I'm actually just going to touch on the whole blending in process. I think, I think a lot of that is bollocks. I get that there is a gelling in period. Players need time to settle. But would it really hurt us to just play the new players and just see how we go? Stick Froiler in, stick Kuyate in, stick O'Brien in, close the midfield up a bit, 
play Gibbs White, playing behind a proper striker, Dennis or Awanee, who we've spent a lot of money on, by the way. And we're pissing about being arrogant, not playing a not playing a, an actual striker. We're six games into a Premier League season that we've not been in for twenty three years. It's just, I just don't get it. Um, and and Johnson, as for it's one of them with Johnson. I just think he's just got to work. Morgan Gibbs White is showing him up with his work rate. Lingard's twenty nine and he's running further than Johnson. It's just not good enough. I, I'm not one of these that says, "Oh, you're doing okay if you run a lot," but. He's got to show more. His, his application and his work rate has been awful. Um, and again, this, this, I get no pleasure in saying that our own players, the ones from Nottingham, are the ones that are kind of under scrutiny. But it's just how it is. We, we all watch the games. And it, it's, it's almost like you've got some people have got to clamour to defend them. They're, they're playing in the big league now. They're going to get critiqued. They're going to get critiqued by Graham Soonest. They're going to get critiqued by Roy Keane. So why can't supporters of our own club do it? I, um, I must, yeah, this is something I found very bizarre. I mean, I saw someone yesterday say that we shouldn't criticise Warhol because he fucking claps the fans in the game. It's like, oh, that's all right then. Like, it'll, it'll cost us points, but you'll clap us off and that's all that matters. He's taking yeah, the that, fucking piss. That, that, like, was the best, that was the best his body language has been all season. When he, when he pumped his chest out in front of the Trenton and gave us a nice big clap. I mean, show, show that level of, you know... I put on Twitter that I wish some of our players had the same size bollocks as Michael Oliver, and I stick by it. I mean, there's, there's none. The, the most bottle that Joe Wallace showed all afternoon was when he clapped the Trent end. And it's, 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 it was just a disgrace, I think, for such an influential player who genuinely does care about the club. So far, it's, his captaincy has just been awful. No, I, I, to be honest, I was going to suggest, actually, it does seem as if his leadership's taken a big hit by the step up. And like you said, maybe it's the pressure. It could be anything. I mean, it's just a mess. But I mean, going back, obviously we've touched, I know you touched on it a few times, Reese. the focal point. And obviously the, the point that was made was, you know, if you look at the games we've actually taken points from, West Ham and Everton. And yes, you can say the West Ham game had an element of fortune. Everton, okay, we're potentially quite unlucky to have not come away with any uh, three points. But in both of those games, the one he started and had us an, had an outlet for us to go along to. Um, or at least you know, someone who can hold the ball up and bring others, in, others into play. Okay, is he as good as doing that as Keane Davis? Probably not, but he's still better than having an attacking midfield to try and do that job, for example. So for you, for, from now, from this point onwards, like, would you insist on having either Taiwo or Sarage as a, or Dennis as a, as a focal point striker? You've got you've got to, mate, because, you know, them two games, and this is a good point that Adam made in the previous part, with Taiwo, it, it caused chaos in that West Ham game. That's what he did. He's so unorthodox. I mean, he is, you know, you look at him technically and think, bloody hell, but it just caused problems. And and even even Man City, when I know the game was completely dead, we looked better when he came on straight away because you've got an out-and-out strike. And like I said in the past point, whipping crosses into the box for three, cent, for pretty much a winger and two centre true attacking mids who are what? None of them are six foot, are they? Just, just ridiculous tactics. You know, the sub, as I mentioned in my last comment, and what Lee's mentioned as well, the callback sub, that was just so unlike Steve Cooper. That sub to me, just, God, I'd be absolutely devastated if, you know, we got rid of Cooper. That just sub, just to me, it was a manager under a little bit of pressure already. Mm. That just, and I hate saying that, I generally do, but, you know, none of us, I wouldn't, me personally, wouldn't even dream of sacking Steve Cooper, but I know the bloke who owns us 
if we start going, lose the next couple, then you're going into, I think, is it Leicester away, who by that time could have a new manager. He's under big pressure. You know, yeah. the Everton fan hit it bang on. You're three games away from a crisis in this league. And um, this isn't, we're not dealing as well with uh, a Nigel Darty kind of owner who did give his managers a bit more time and others. Maranakis will will fire somebody. We, I know you guys said earlier about Hewton in the Championship, but it's a different ball game, isn't it, in the Championship? We could have probably, you know, that quality moved into mid-table, whereas when you're a newly Premier League club, if you get cut adrift, you're in trouble. You know, a couple of people put about Newcastle last season getting out of it and not to worry. Come on. You know, they had a brand new manager. They had a brand new taker. They spent £100 million, I think, in January, signed some quality. That's why they got out of it, and that was a miracle. You know, I think the only team who'd done it, you can't be relying on things like that. You, it was just such a disappointing result yesterday. You know, we would have been on seven points and after six games, you just said, yeah, mid-table. You know, God, how many... Bournemouth have been done 9-0 and there's three points above us already. That, you know, that sums it up, doesn't it? So, yeah. you know, and as we're going to come on to the Man City game, we're not say I won't say much about that until we come on to it like, but honestly, um, I think it's been good really to get a bit of things off everyone's chest because it was just such a horrible feeling last night. I, yeah. I, generally, I generally not felt like that for a long time. And that's it's probably a, a test a testament to how well Steve Cooper's done for the club. Yeah, it's gonna be a horrible night for the a horrible thing for the next nine days, really. I mean I I, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I I'm I completely agree. I mean I, I this is the worst um that was the worst 45 minutes of football we've had in the Steve Cooper second half. So I guess the notion is hopefully it can't get any worse. But the, the positive, I guess, is you know, Leeds will probably feel the same because they got smashed for five yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, they, they started really well, which is good for them. But I don't think they've won now in three or four, you know, and it, it quickly starts to turn, especially at this level. That good that good feeling can literally turn in three or four games and then young Dana. You know, and what is it now? Four games without a win, one point from 12. You know, let's be honest, we didn't really expect much from Spurs at home and City away, but Bournemouth at home, that's, you should be you should be looking to win that, to be honest. Not, more, not you know, divine right to win, but if you went down the fixture list, that would be the one you'd put next to, a big three next to that. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Reese off the pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on, it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese, spell R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. Anyway, that's enough of uh, the Bournemouth game. So we're going to even more fun of the absolute demolition job from Manchester City midweek. Um, yeah, that was a certain experience. Obviously, all four of us got to go, albeit in different parts. Um, I had to sort of sneak in with some of the home fans, but um, which thankfully didn't really went unnoticed because <laughs> it wasn't like we had anything to get found out about, was it? But um, Adam, I thought that the writing was on the wall very early with Forest because it looked like much like the Newcastle game. And much like the Bournemouth away game last year in the second half, it looked like Forrest just completely froze. It looked like we were starting to play within ourselves from the get-go. And City just smelled blood and ran riot. I thought we was naive. I thought tactically, 
credit to Cooper, he wants to try and play his way, and I understand that. But I think you've just got to pick your battles. Man City are the best in the world for a reason because Pep Guardiola is an absolute phenomenon. Like we was watching me and my me and my mates quite like to analyze it a lot as 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 you guys do. But and you know when you've got Jao Cancelo and Kyle Walker almost dropping in as like extra defensive midfielders, but still like then like still getting wide and providing width for their team and their movement off the ball is just ridiculous. But again, not playing Awanee and then when he's come on, like Reese mentioned, it, it changed the game. Like we could have we could have quite easily played on the counter-attack against City because we did catch him the odd time, just the, the ball wasn't quite there or the pass wasn't quite right or we just didn't hold our nerve. When when he come on, it we we could like get it long to him. He could bring others into play, and we we had a few like half chances, I'd say, but it was more than what we was getting previously. But the game was done, and it was far too late. I thought the person in midfield wasn't wasn't the right choice. I just thought O'Brien was chasing shadows. Yates was kind of like storming out of his pocket, leaving it open for people like Foden or Cancelo to get into. It was just. It just didn't didn't quite work really. I thought Cooper got it horribly wrong against Man City. I thought it it was just it, we was asking for it really. Let's 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 be fair. See, the thing is, I didn't actually think tactically it was too bad. I can kind of see where we were going for. Again, it's a personnel issue because what annoyed me, Lee, was that if you look at the six goals, so many of them were avoidable. Like, I mean, so many. The first one, for example, you've got Henderson screaming at Yates to clear it. He just does nothing. And obviously, it's all well and good saying, oh, you know, Warrell should be strong with dealing with Haaland. Okay, we know Haaland isn't exactly human. He's a robot. But irrespective of that, he shouldn't have even got to that position because Yates should have just cleared it. And that would have been it. Like, no problem solved. Then you look at the second goal, Henderson fucks up his kick. And then, obviously, they go straight from there. You get three Forest players go straight, dart straight at Foden. All of them leave Haaland completely alone and Foden just rolls it into his path. That's it, like 2 0. The third goal was a work of art, you know, credit where it's due. The outside of the boot cross, the headed, like the little head tennis, and then that, that was majestic. That's why they're the best in the world. But then you look at the fourth goal, Yates doesn't close down Cancelo. You look at the fifth goal, okay, it's a lucky break. I felt Henderson could maybe do a little bit better with that one, actually. And then the sixth one, from our own fucking free kick, 25 yards out of goal. It's, it's they literally run up the other end of the score. No one thinks to take down the Bruyne. Warren just backs off and backs off and backs off and backs off. No one goes to him. He plays a pass through. It goes into Alvarez's path and he scores. And you just think, like, like we said before, these teams don't need help. There was four directly avoidable goals there that would have at least made the scoreline look respectable. I think no one really expected Forrest to win, but at least not to lose 6 0. And, you know, again, we go back to the personnel debate. Like, you can't make it easy for teams like Manchester City. Why are we doing, stop not doing such basic things? Like you've got to keep a keeper screaming away at you and you just stand off. I, I oh, try to help me understand this because I've got no fucking idea what's on that time of that night. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I'll correct you on your comments about the first goal. Yates was doing something, he was pointing at somebody somewhere. <laughs> um, the new Ariel pointing. Yeah. yeah, he's a master at pointing. We know that, don't we? I mean, he was, he was pointing somewhere. I think he was pointing who he wanted Emerson to pass the ball to so that he didn't have to get out-muscled by Rodri for the I don't know, 15th time in the first 15 seconds. Um, and then, funny little little bit about the, the last goal, uh, my mates were actually watching it on the dodgy stick and we got a free kick and one of the lads had said like, oh, I, hope we get, I hope we can just get one, just make the goal difference look a little bit better. And obviously, because it was slightly behind on the dodgy stick, 
they all got a notification saying that it was actually 6-0 and we'd not even <laughs> taken our free kick yet. Um, so, yeah, interesting. I mean, it was a weird one. I mean, we went up there with no intention of getting anything. Um, City in possession are class. I mean, I've seen bits and bobs already this season saying that when, you know, when they're on the TV and that, they're boring to watch. But how would you ever get bored of that? I mean, they are relentless. Just, why would you ever get bored of you watching? They their fans literally go to watch their team. It's not their team against someone. They're going to watch them. Mm. It's, I mean, in the same breath, I can see why Palace scored two. Um, better sides will probably score goals against them, but I mean, even in that game, they came back and scored four, didn't they? So they are going to outscore teams. I, I think that it could be a landslide in the league title title race this year. I think they could win it really, really comfortably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. Like you say, we were kind of victims of our own downfall, really, weren't we? I mean, it was a, it was. A, I think you used the word sobering afterwards, Christian. And it was. That's exactly what it was. This is where we are now. Mm. You know, instead of losing, I mean, we we didn't really get many thrashings last year, did we? Let's face it, in the championship. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were not to not to sound like Scott Parker, but we're probably going to get a few more, aren't we? Let's face it. Against the better sides, as a newly promoted side, you don't typically get a great deal. I mean. Fulham are giving it a good go this year, aren't they? But I think us and Fulham probably will be the two sides that get, certainly on current form, that get um, a couple of thrashings, I think, this season. Yeah, it's, um, I can't wait for those when they come. But no, it's... it's I think what, what you touched upon actually was very true, actually. Like, how can you get bored and watch those other players? Because I think it's very easy to say that, oh, this is boring. But when you actually go there and see it yourself in person, you see how hard City work off the ball. Their fitness levels are a joke. Like City. I mean, I know he said this a little bit like the Mexico bit in fucking Mike Bassett. It's like, well, they were bloody good, weren't they? Mexicans. It is a little bit like that. They just run so much. It always feels like they've got an extra man at any given opportunity on the pitch. Mm. And you're just looking and thinking, Christ, what chance do we have? And I know, obviously, it's easy to say they'll, they'll sort of like, they force mistakes out of you, which to a point is fine. And you probably saw that in the fifth goal when he got the, the rebound, fell into their path. They went through that. It was from a forced forest mistake. I just can't deal with like basics, like not closing your man down, backing off, like keepers giving you clear instruction, not connecting with football properly, like three players running to one and leaving some like the most dangerous man in fucking football completely unmarked on a penalty spot. Uh, it's just stuff like that. You just think, Jesus Christ, are we even good enough? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 we are against the elite. Um, obviously, no one's expecting Forest to win the Champions League this season, but if you can't get the basics right, you've got no hope. Absolutely I mean- no. I mean, I'd love to know what uh, Pep's feeding his players in the cha- in the uh, you know the cantina as well because Rodri, I, I, I've seen Rodri a few times and I never realised he was that big. I've never seen a defensive midfielder so big, and and him and Cancelo, they must be related in some way. They look like exactly from where I was yeah. sat at thirteen. They look like exactly the same player. Well, yeah, my mate but, was like, "Oh, that Rodri, that was good from Rodri, wasn't it?" I was like, "No, that was Cancelo." <laughs> um, but yeah, they look exactly the same. But yeah, I mean, we mentioned as well actually every time we try. What I didn't really get is, like you mentioned, you pick your battles. Why were we still trying to play out from the back against Man City? You've got Foden, Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, and they're all ready to just pounce. And we're still trying to piss about. I just think one thing I do like about when Steve Cook plays is he, he's not afraid to put his foot through it and just get it up the other end of the pitch. They're a long way from goal up there. Uh, and some, some will call it a negative tactic, but I just think we... We, there's a time and a place to be tippy-tappy and that wasn't playing at the Etihad when Erling Haaland's banging form is not it, to, frankly. There was actually one instant where, um, to talk about Rodri very quickly, 
again, like, he's sort of very, very, I don't know how he's done it. He's gone under the radar. He's probably one of the best defensive midfielders in the world, if not the best. And there was one incident where um, him and Yates were going for a loose ball. And he just, just literally just moved them aside and just passed them <laughs> off. It was just like, it was, it was just like, it was like watching year 11, just Nigel year six out of the way. And just like, no, no, you're not getting that. And then, of course, the first time passed, found feet on the other side of the pitch. It was like, fucking hell. Like, that's what 60 million pound gets you then, eh? Is, um, yeah. I think Yates I mean, was off balance because he was pointing at someone at the time. <laughs> he, he, he is massively underrated, Roger. He's a superb footballer. Superb. Super I think yeah, the class. first season, he, he was like a bedding in season, but, you know, he was like a hair to Fernandinho, wasn't he? And Pep's like, just good management. You know, Pep, for me, is the best manager in the world. You know, these idiots who call him a bold fraud, you know, ought to watch his, ought to watch his teams and how he improves players because... And this boring to watch, that's from bitter Liverpool and United fans that is mm. especially with United they'd love the team to, the, their team to play like our city do, as would anybody yeah, yeah you're not wrong um, I guess one of the, we won't spend too much longer on City because it's just painful to go over it but um, one of the positives of sorts was that Lowly made his debut Reese and um, could have even scored to be fair you know, had, had our only real chance of the game we put it into side netting was very unlucky um, maybe on another day you could have nodded it across goal for Gibbs White to score like, re- like Leeds touched upon there better teams will find gaps and exploit them against City and they are semi-vulnerable at the back um, what, what have you made from Noddy so far I mean from the two games that you've seen from him um, obviously City <laughs> tough to make your debut into it City yeah, away fire, um, yeah. I mean it's harsh on Toffolo and you know Noddy's a better player than Toffolo no doubt in that my mind but Someone to have, you know, been pretty decent for two or three games, then get dropped. I can't imagine that would go down well, personally. Um, I think it'll feel a bit disheartened by that. But when you're bringing in Lodi with the money we possibly might spend on him and five million loan fee, and he isn't going to come to Forest if he's not going to start, otherwise, he's pointless. So, um, the Bour- the Bournemouth game of Lodi, yeah, I thought you, I thought you was all, all right. It's just. You know, that, that, that second half, apart from Kuyate, yeah, I, I just thought everyone were a waste of time, to be honest. So, but um, yeah, um, we'll, have, we'll have to see guarding him. You know, he's got um, not, I wouldn't say a big reputation, but, you know, big reputation in terms of potential. Mm. So, you know, he's a, a Brazilian international playing for Forest. So, yeah, we'll have to see going forward with him. But, um, making your debut against City you know I've literally got all the six goals here and I've put I've wrote down the mistakes for each one from us and every goal apart from probably the fifth where I think like you say Christian was a bit of a ricochet wasn't it yeah. every goal there was a mistake in it you know and when you just City just going to punish you you know, well, I, I literally when the second goal I seen when Williams slid in I just seen that ball go into that into the just outside the six yard bars, I've seen Ireland coming in. I was like, Fuck it out, yeah, you knew, just you knew. like you know, yeah. you know, you, you're just giving the best, probably arguably the best striker in the world in form a minute, just a tap in, two tap ins. A header was the same. We lost, I think, three headers in that move, and it was the cross. This one, I mean, Cancella was unbelievable. You know, outside of the foot cross, I think it was four on one at the back post, and then it headed it across. And then John Stones, I don't know how he had it managed to stretch his neck muscles and head that one back across and Harlan got above all our defenders. So, yeah, we just, uh, we just showed them too much respect and people who, you know, wrote 
expect it off or we should, you know, we expect to get done by five or six. Well, tell me what other teams can see the six to Man City this season because no one else has. And I had a look back and it, it's been a good six months since they put six past somebody. So, and and then, well, you know, what was the score last night for Man City? Because I didn't see him beat Aston Villa and massively struggling. Mm. So you've got, you know, for these teams, no, I don't expect anything in terms of points. But what I do expect is to not go down with a whimper. We went down with a whimper at City and we let them roll us over. And it was a training exercise for them, to be honest. Pretty much. And, and, and in the end, I was quite pleased it was only six because it easily, if Kevin De Bruyne had his shoes, two boots on, it could have been seven. Well, Mara had seven and one, remember? Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, admittedly, that looked slightly offside at the time. Yeah, I, I, I was... I was disappointed. I just thought I just thought we rolled over for him and showed him far too much respect personally. Mm. Um, you've, got at least, you've got to at least take, you know, you can't retire on your stool like we did. You've got to at least take a bit of fight to him. And if you get beat, say, 3-0, it, like the Tottenham game, the Tottenham game's the example. We got beat 2-0 against Tottenham, the old ground applauding them off because they gave, the lads gave everything. Mm. But the last two games have not done that, unfortunately. No. The, um, I don't know if it's the tiredest thing. I mean, like, I think that's a bit of a flimsy excuse. I get, obviously. Yeah, you know, I remember when um, I remember when Dortmund had City in the Champions League and they spoke to Bellingham after the game and he said he never mm. ran so much in a match in his life. <laughs> so that probably explains why O'Brien, because he constantly takes the ball. It probably explains why Brian didn't play yesterday but, and maybe Freud at the age of 30 on as well. But then like you just think, you know, there's no, like you said, there's no excuse. For, you, you go down swinging, we know this. Like You don't mm. just not turn up. <laughs> the one, The one wow moment that game for me you know I absolutely adore watching City. I think you know I've got a bit of a soft spot for them to be honest because I just love how they play I love Pep I love De Bruyne as you all know there was a pass in the first half which was switched from the left flank to the right to Bernardo Silva who is five foot what would you say not the biggest And and it was literally for someone who was six foot would be tough to control it and he dropped it on his chest, stretching back, and like stunned the ball down. And I was like, "Wow, that is just the level. That that was just unbelievable." And they are, they are, they're, they're phenomenal. They, they'll probably go down as the best Premier League team ever, to be honest. I know you, people. Yeah. I know people talk about the treble winning side, but for the for the football, especially now with Haaland, they could dominate for a long, long time. They really could. Mm. It's quite scary, really. But, yeah. um, I think anyway. if I if I can just finish on City, I think as well, this is where I go back to belief. We had we had zero belief when from when we got off the bus at City that we could get anything. Now mm-hmm. I think if if we'd have gone and played them in the FA Cup last season, for example, and they put that exact same team out, yeah, we six that, now. I know that Haaland wasn't there. We'd have given it a go. We'd have rolled our sleeves up and we'd have fought for every single ball. We might we would have, we'd have probably lost. But I dare bet we'd give it a better go than that. We wouldn't have rolled over and been that, you know, and our belly's, yeah. belly's tickled like that. But I totally agree with that. We've just got to believe more, believe and be brave. I, I'm, I'm pissing myself off, keep saying it. My mates must be sick of hearing me say it, but the lack of bravery has been astonishing since we got promoted in every game. Whether it's to have a shot, whether it's to make the simple pass, we've just got to be braver. We deserve to be in this division. And we need to see something from the players now that suggests that we don't want our stay in this division to be short-lived. It's a, it's a great game to come back in as well because, you know, we know what Ellen Rose like. should be a good atmosphere. There's an animosity between Leeds and Forest. Perfect game to change the mood. Go there and get a, go there and get a result. You know, like, why is it like Roy Keane said last season, you know, 
get smashed into something if I do. You know, show a bit, of, <laughs> show a bit of something. You know, let let's hopefully now we can go to Leeds and we can get a result and you know start moving forward. That's what I'm fingers crossed. Hopefully for that. I was just well, going mean, to touch on the end of Man City as well. I know we talked about their fitness levels, but their organisation of like closing down is ridiculous. Their whole team goes. We every single player, and even including the goalkeeper, is an athlete in that team. Our back three are they are head it and kick it championship players. McKenna maybe can could be that one that can play out the back a little bit and Warrell sometimes, but like Lee says and touched on, they need to be a bit more braver and, and believe in themselves a little bit more. But I just think maybe like I don't want to give an excuse because they're all they're all athletes, they're all professional footballers and they're paid to do so. But we gave a lot against Spurs. Did we give a lot against City to try and were chasing shadows yesterday? I know it was a it was abysmal, but I still can't think that's an excuse to give them to surrender a two-goal lead. No, exactly. I just think, exactly. like, the, I think Cooper, in his from his analysis team, has to look at it and look at those gaps between midfield and defence because they're far too too open. And I think because of our back three and how they are, maybe that's why we get caught out so much because they're not quick in terms of transition. The midfield have kind of got, well, we're going to have to protect you because you're not quick enough, if you know what I mean. But this is maybe why... When Niakati comes in, the the new lad Lloyd Bidey comes in, however you say his last name, and, and Willie Bowley, maybe that that transforms us a little bit more, as harsh as it sounds, but they could make a hell of a difference in terms of how we become a better side because it it has to happen. I, I believe it will happen. I've got to because otherwise, what's the point in being a football fan? <laughs> um, let's hope we turn it around. Like like Reece says, there's no excuses not to get up for the, for a Leeds game. It's kind of not quite a derby, but it is a rival game, isn't it? They're going to be up for it just as much as we are. And I think you'll see a vast improvement because of the atmosphere from both sets of fans. It wants to be. I mean, like, you know, you were such a valid point here. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I don't really see Leicester as rivals. I do see Leeds as a rival. So, you know, I don't want us to go to that game and just roll over again because that will really fuck me off. You but, can't um, say you're not enjoying them getting battered at a minute, Christian Leicester. You only because there is a we could finish above at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not many of those at the minute. They... Like, <laughs> They put our defending into perspective yesterday. It actually made ours look good. Our badly defended early. I mean, Brighton were so clinical, um, but but then <laughs> God, they were so open. Touching on Brighton, they're a perfect example of how that formation can work. The three four three, three five two. Right, so right. If, yeah. if you just need the personnel for it, and um, anyway, uh, we are actually going to touch on that because obviously you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom for Forest this week. We did get some positives in on the transfer front. So, um, as I mentioned, mentioned, like Bade came in from Wren, uh, the loan option to buy for £12 million. Uh, Willie Bolly or Bowley came in from Wolves as well. Two defensive reinforcements, I think, from what we've seen, considering we've 11 goals in the last three games, I think it's fair to say they're very much needed. Yeah, I looked at Loic Bade because I've never heard of him in my life. Um, and I thought, actually, when you look at his uh, transfer, transfer history, he started at Paris FC, went to La Havre. One season there, went to Lons. One season there, has been to Rennes, and now he's come to us. And it's kind of almost looked like he's gone to a better team each time. No, no disrespect to Lons or Rennes. It's it's the in the French league, it's a one team dominated league. Unfortunately, apart from the odd season when Lille won it, but it used to be a really competitive division until PSG's millions come in. So for me, that looks like he's made an improvement every season because he's had a move to what seems a bigger club. So hopefully he can come in and hit the ground running 
looks like a pacey technical player, which we need. We like 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 Lee's touched upon many many times tonight. We need brave players. We need that centre half to start attacks almost in terms of either giving it to the centre mid that's going to dictate the play or pierce that midfield into the number 10 on the half term where we're at him. Morgan gives why he wants the ball all the time. Like, he does not shy away from it, whether he makes a mistake or not. Lingard is probably the same. But we, we just need that bit of positivity. I'm sure we'll get it. This is not all doom and gloom. Our season is not defined after six games. It was just a really, really shit week to take uh, as as a as a fan base, and and I'm sure the players are just as fuming as 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 we are. They just need to show it and show it in mm. the right manner. No, it's a very very fair point. It'll be very interesting what happens at Leeds. Uh, Lee, we did get a Josh Bowler long term target of oh, at least a year now. It was signed and then immediately farmed out to the PR cost, which has gone down very well in Blackpool. Um, I, for what it's worth, I actually felt Bowler could have done a job before Forest this season, to be honest, like going forwards. Um, it's a bit of a strange deal. Um, what did you make of it? And obviously, again, it's very worth knowing that we have got a very exciting player on our hands, even if we can't immediately access him. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you. It's a very strange deal. I, I did have to laugh, though, that um, the guy who covers Blackpool for the Gazette um, he put surely he'd be better off coming back on loan to Blackpool well he's gone from playing in front of Jordan Gabriel to potentially playing in front of Marcello so I mean I think it'll be a better move than going back to Blackpool for him uh, he's out of his comfort zone he's a young lad um, it, it really is a case of sink or swim for him I suppose you know going to play experience different cultures new environment he won't be the big fish anymore so yeah, I think what I do like about it is, let's say we do go down, we're probably going to lose someone like Johnson. So, you've you've already, I think you mentioned earlier, Reese, that uh, Brighton's chairman is big on having a, a succession plan for every eventuality, and I think that's a little bit what we've done here. I think if Johnson was to go, uh, Bowler would be the natural replacement for him. So, um, yeah, it's a good deal. I agree with you, though, Christian. I think I, I would, especially given that we're struggling for for goals, really. Um, certainly from open play, I think I would have... What I like about him is he gets the ball and runs with it. Um, a bit like what the Johnson we knew and loved last year did. But, yeah, I would have probably had him in and around the squad this season, to be honest. Definitely. It's a bit of a strange one. But I guess the good news is we have got a very good player in our hands and you know, hopefully it does all work to help his success. There's no reason why it wouldn't because the very, very talented boy. And um, there was, obviously, some deadline day drama race and that Forrest randomly... Uh, seemed to go off for Mitchie Batshuayi and um, the deal was fully in place it sounded like I had a medical done but unfortunately Chelsea or unfortunately depending on where you look at it uh, Chelsea couldn't get the paperwork over in time because they were juggling too many balls elsewhere apparently so um, he's now gone to Benabaccio which is naturally a big reprieve for Sam Surridge in this moment in time um, would you expect Forrest to look at another striker in January or do you think that Surridge has got a chance to prove himself? <sighs> I don't think he was on the bench, was he yesterday, Surridge? Was he not? Apparently not, no. no that says to me he's probably not in the forts, really, because let's be honest, the two guys who are strikes on the bench haven't been in the forts. So um, it would it would all depend on whether or not the goal scoring, I guess. Um, I still do think we do struggle for goals. I know we scored two yesterday, but one's from a set piece, it was a penalty. Yeah, when we, yeah. yeah, when 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 we put a really good move together, score from open play, the, the, 
the, the move for Awanya's goal in the end was a good move. Lingard didn't scuff it, but you know, Brennan Johnson's was a rebound. It's a little bit concerning. You know, everyone's been speaking about the defence, but attacking they've got to improve as well. And, and the, the, that starts with Steve. It, this false nine that was we've mentioned previously, that I think that needs to be sacked off. You know, I, I don't mind playing two strikers and then Gibbs White kind of comes in, but you've got to have an out and out striker in that front too. You can't have like, you know, Johnson's like a more of a right sided forward in T and Gibbs White to central attack in mid. So I wasn't too fussed about Batshuayi personally. The only a little bit of concern for me would be if Forrest is still trying to get in another striker, does the manager fancy the ones we've got? You know, does he fancy a one year? Does he fancy Dennis? Does he fancy Sturge at this level? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know that. That's a little bit of a concern for me. You know, people say this is a bit rash, but I'm probably the first time, I know six games in, but, you know, you've got to realise you've not got as many games as well as a championship. That's the first time I've been genuinely concerned yesterday. Yeah. So you know, 2-0 yeah. up at half-time, I thought, brilliant. You know, this is a game we're expected to win. Looks like we're going to win it. Perfect. I thought we haven't played dead well. Like we said, part in common area, if we get 3-0 up, we'll, we'll win this comfortably and for us to completely lose the game. And, you know, and that, that was just a disaster as we've covered. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um you know, it's up to the manager. Into, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think we've signed too many players personally. And to be honest, as I put in, I put on my Twitter, it got boring in the end. You know, the constant links, the constant. You know, I don't, I don't know what to describe it. It become a bit, bit of a circus really in the end. And you know, all the jokes and the memes. You know, the same meme and that put every time. I just got not sick to death of it, but we're just boring. I'm glad the window's out. I'm glad the win is over and I'm hoping now there's, especially with us having nine days before the next game, it gives the manager some time to work with the squad he's got and, you know, more some big decisions he's going to have to make for the Leeds game. It's an interesting one. I mean, I don't, I do actually disagree in the sense that I do think we needed to make, as stupid as it sounds, all those signings, purely because what we've covered earlier, because the players we've got a minute aren't good enough. Even the ones that we mm-hmm. thought could make a step up aren't doing so. So what was the alternative? Like, you know, do we start Might in the champion in the Premier League? Do we start, you know, Lurken Beso, for example? So it's sort of like I think we did need that. It just, it, I just I do get what you mean, though. It was a bit like, to, to, to be fair, like we probably wouldn't have signed Bollywood with Nia Carty. I haven't got injured. It is probably one. I do understand it, but you know, it, you know, I think when we discussed pre-season, we were saying like 12 to 15. I can't imagine anyone would have said we needed 21 signings at the start of the window. I think I think that would have been um, a bit of a... I don't think many, no one would have predicted that personally, but we'll have to see. You know, yeah. it's like I said earlier, the critics are out, aren't they, to Hunt Forest? And yesterday we played into their hands. You know, if we'd have won yesterday and, you know, you've shut them up, haven't you, for this week, so... You know, the nice will be out in a minute, and you've seen that with his fan base because every 95% of people are absolutely livid with yesterday. And for me, there's no beating around the bush. I don't get how you can feel anything else but fury from yesterday, to be honest, because that second half was disgraceful, in my opinion. Well, it was. I don't think anyone would disagree with that either. 
Um, but we will now move on to the final part of the podcast, which is our predictions for Leeds United away, which I've trip to Ellen Road first a few years. Um, obviously, it'll be on Monday Night Football, so that'll be live on Sky as and when that is. Uh, Adam, what's your prediction for the game? I, I think it will be a fast-tempoed fury of a game. Obviously, Leeds and, Leeds and Forest have normally played that sort of kind of fixture in the past. Even in the Championship, it's always been absolutely blistering, hasn't it? And even from the supporters, it's always been really good. It's, it's, a, it's a cracking classic fixture, in my opinion. I expect Leeds to be on the front foot as they were against Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. They really put them to the sword. I thought they, they let uh, Rodrigo led the line brilliantly with, with uh, Jack Harrison and, and Brendan Aronson, who's come in. And done really well for him because I thought Leeds were going to really struggle this season after losing Rafinha and Calvin Phillips, and and they've done, they've done all right. Yeah, they got pumped yesterday to a good Brentford side, in my opinion. I mean, we I know we've tipped them to be amongst it, but looking at Brentford, I don't think they will be anywhere near it. They've got one of the best strikers in the league, in my opinion, in Ivan Tony. So, mm-hmm. no, it's going to be a really interesting game because Leeds that can be leaky. Um, and you don't know really know what you're going to get with them. They're quite an inconsistent sort of team. And obviously, it's Jesse Marsh's first full season in charge of them. So I think they're still adjusting to his methods. But equally, we're doing the same because we've got so many new faces. So it's it's good that Cooper, I really said, has got a few extra days to work with the side. I would like to see if, if Oro Mangala's fit, he, him and O'Brien are in that midfield for me. And, and we play with, with, with a striker, if not two. We play with a one and Dennis, or or we play with a one knee Morgan's White and Lingard. I think we have to change something in this. And I think with Tyro one up top, he, he gives us that outlet. He's he causes chaos, legs and limbs everywhere, just unorthodox, be horrible. Give Patrick Stewart or whatever his name is, and, and Robin Cock at the back, an absolute terror of a of a time and, and be direct a little bit. Try and play football when we can, but but we're getting there off and, and playing there off. And if we can do that, I think we can get a result. Um, I'm going to say we're going to have a score draw of one all. One all. I think I'll probably take that to be honest right now. Slash your hand off for that. Um, Lee, what about you? You're asking me at the wrong time. It's still too raw yesterday. Um, I can't see anything other than a defeat, to be honest. Um, if the team sheet comes out and there's no striker on it and Ryan Yates is in midfield, I might go and revisit my uni days and go and sit in Tiger Tiger instead. Um, I don't know. Um, I want to be optimistic like Adam, but I just can't see anything other than defeat. I think he, he makes some good points about they're a bit dire at the back as well. Um, I think we'll lose 3-1. Sadly. I do apologise. Reese, how about you? Well, I'm going to stick my neck on the line then. Um, and I'm going to say we'll win it 1 0. Uh, you know, I can't, you know, I've got, you've got to try and stay positive. It is tough. I do agree with Lee. You know, I'm, I'm still absolutely raging from yesterday deep down. But, you know, you've got, I've got, you've got to try and stay as positive as you can because if not, it's just going to end up being a long season. I don't want to turn that years of waiting for Premier League football into an absolute drag. And I do I do believe, honestly do believe if we play how we can, we can go to Ellen Road and get a result. It's just if we play like yesterday, we won't. If we play how we did against Tottenham that way, that desire and against West Ham, 
you know, we can go there and get a result, you know, like um, Leach has said, they've, you know, they've, or was it Adam, maybe, they've conceded a lot of the bad, they've conceded five at the weekend, they're on a bit of a downward turn now as well, after a good start, so you never know, but we'll see, but yeah, fuck it, I'll stick my neck on the line and say we win it 1-0. I suppose someone has to say we're going to win a game, it's quite nice. <laughs> um, I, so it depends on the lineup for me. If I see that, if, if, if it's that back three of Cook, Warren, McKenna, I'm not going to watch because I, you know, <laughs> like we'll always get absolutely massacred. Um, obviously, that's a joke. I will watch it regardless because he supports the Brilliant Thing. But a bit one as well. I think Rodrigo's out for them for quite a while now. Okay, he was yeah, like, I know, I obviously a big score for them, wasn't yeah. he? Bam- Bamford, got, shoulder, wasn't Bamford had a great clearance off the line yesterday. For oh, is he back? Is he? Yeah, he Post cleared story. one off the line for his own side, so that was fun. Oh, I mean, right, he, he should have scored in a minute. Well, with him being a Forest fan, I don't think he can stick one in our net. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean the worry for me is obviously they've got to respond to that thumping at Brentford's. And they'll they'll look at Forest at home under the lights at Ellen Road and think that's a perfect opportunity, especially if Bamford is back. They've still got a focal point. Uh, Rocker and Adams will run and run and run and run in midfield, and Aronson will as well. So we have to be on it. It has to be like for we have to be like we can't just afford to have passengers in that midfield. O'Brien needs to be in there, and realistically, probably Freuder as well, or someone who can just cover the grounds. Hopefully, Mangala's fit. The dream would be he is because then we've got a great chance then. Um, but yeah, it, it, if, if we if we go into that game and it's that back three and Yates playing, we will lose and probably quite comfortably, like two three nil. If it is different, and we go in and maybe Badder comes in, maybe Bolly comes in. Again, O'Brien comes back. There's no reason why we can't win that game. It is entirely down to personnel, and we have got the players to win there. And I believe we've got the manager to win there too. You know, Marsh is going through a very weird transitional phase. Like, there's a lot. I mean, they are having what seems like Jennings issues to a point. Those. I know Sinistera looks very good. Um, looks like they've already replaced Rafinha pretty much immediately with him. But they are there to be got at. Messi is a good keeper, but he's not very well protected. You know, if Luke Ailing's going to play at right back, then fucking hell, just you know. So there is definitely positives there. Um, although again, it's uh, if we play if it's that if it's that back three and Yates starts, we'll lose three nil. If we play a midfield that can move, even if it's O'Brien and Yates, whatever, and we play we throw Badder in the back or Bolly in the back, just get a little bit of pace and a bit more like noose and know-how there, then and some strikers. Yeah, and of course Tyro <laughs> starting, give you that, then we can win that two one in my opinion. I, I do believe we can win that if the personnel is right, but that ultimately comes down from the manager. He can't, you know, we, like, we can't be sentimental. We can't do with, oh, okay, you, you got us here. You're not doing it now. Like, I, I'd include Warren on that. Ultimately, that captain's arm has a piece of fucking fabric. If he's costing us points, he shouldn't play. Simple as that. So we'll have to see how it goes and who he picks, but I do think that we can win and hopefully we do. Anyway, it's been a very damaging week and um, hopefully the next week isn't as damaging. At least we can't lose next weekend. There you go. That's a positive. You can enjoy your Saturday and Sunday. Um, but yeah, obviously try and keep positive and keep cheerful and uh, the beauty about football is there's always a second chance. You know, and if we lose to Leeds, our next game is only on the following Friday, isn't it? So it's only four days to sit still ah, in. There we go. There we go. But this is my posi- there's my positivity for the pod. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> well, just yes. to um, tack away that positivity, after the Fulham game, there was an international break. <laughs> so if we did lose that, then you'd have like two weeks to stay over it. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, of course that break doesn't <laughs> win. But uh, yeah, well, try, and, try and stay cheerful and... Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Come on, your heads. Just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast. This is something that we all share and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter, um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling, um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter, you know, use the Forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.